0: Alright, so let's look, uh, Luke chapter 9, hope you got your Bibles now, Luke chapter 9, uh, verse 10, if you have headings in your Bible, what's the heading there? Alright, how many have heard that story before? Alright, this is not new material, Right, You've heard this story before. Let's look at it at two different levels and see what it, we can learn from it. First of all, let's just read it, verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done, and then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, Paul's, unless we go and buy food for all of this crowd. Parentheses, about 5,000 men were there. So if there are 5,000 men, how many people would you expect were there total? Because there are probably some ladies there and probably some kids. All right, all of those are good guesses. <laughs> and you put your guess in there, but, you know, you could at least, minimum, you could at least double that number probably, minimum. Uh, probably much more than that. Uh, if, if everybody had uh, a wife there and a child, and not everybody probably would, but you could see that it could easily be 15,000. So we don't know, but at least 5,000 men were there, and so we'll go with that 5,000 number for now. Uh, verse 14, But he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. When we try to do the work of God in our own ways, we'll never see the power of God in what we do. Now, hear that one more time. When we try to do the work of God in our own ways, we will never see the power of God in what we do. Somebody read Isaiah 55.8 for me. So, Go ahead and look it up real quick. Everybody look it up. Somebody read it for me. Isaiah 55.8. Who's going to read that? Isaiah 55.8. Yeah. God says, the Lord says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. And so, I've been reading and experiencing God lately about God's ways. I'm going to be teaching experiencing God this fall, and so I've been reading it again. I went through it for the first time 25 years ago. Hard to believe it's been that long, but I had written it in my book when I started. So, I'm coming back to it 25 years later and being reminded as I go through experiencing God, uh, being reminded of God's ways are so different from mine. God's thoughts are so different from mine. That is kind of illustrated for us in this story in Luke chapter 9 that we call Jesus feeding the 5,000. God uses kingdom principles to accomplish his kingdom purposes. And we're never really going to experience the power of God if we try to do things in our own ways. This story, the feeding 5,000, is a good example of that. So let's look at it a little bit closer. Let's kind of diagram it a little bit. Uh, So here's the deal. Late in the afternoon, verse 12, The twelve came to him, came to Jesus, said, send the crowd away so they can go to the countryside villages and and find uh, food and lodging because they were in a remote place. So, late in the afternoon would probably indicate they've been there for a while. Verse 12, late in the afternoon would probably indicate Jesus has been teaching for a while. They've been there for a while. And the disciples are trying to figure all of this out, what are we going to do with this group, what are we going to do, how are we going to take care of all of these people, and they finally come to Jesus, and and they say, here's what we think needs to happen, Uh, look at it real carefully now, send the crowd away, number one send the crowd away, so that they can go to the surrounding villages, countryside find food and lodging, because we're in a remote place, now here's what I want you to see, what they were saying you put this in a box, I don't like the way that's showing up. what they were saying was was rational, logical it was in was other words easy, and it was. Perhaps wise. Let's walk through that for a moment. First of all, send the crowd away. There's not a McDonald's anywhere near here. There's no way we're going to feed this group of people. This was a rational thought. It was a rational idea. Remember, Isaiah, my ways are not your ways, saith the Lord. But in the human perspective, this was a rational thought. There's no way we can feed this this group of people. There's no place to feed this group of people. Here's a logical approach. Let's let them go home and get their own food. By the way, that's an easy approach. It's an easy approach. Rather than us trying to take care of all these people, rather than us trying to come up with a way to fix all of this thing, let's just send them home. We've been here all day anyway. It's easy. And it might even be wise. But you could look at it and say, you know, they're pretty smart. They knew they didn't have the resources for this. They looked ahead a little bit. They saw that it was going to be dark soon. They they planned ahead and planned accordingly. This was kind of a wise approach. And so that's what they did. They went to Jesus and they said, hey, we've got this thing figured out. We had a staff meeting and we think that what you need to do is just send everybody away. But remember Isaiah, where the Lord says, my ways are not your ways. My plans are not your plans. And so this was a rational approach. And then, though it was a rational approach, you you have to factor in Jesus. And I love the way he addresses them. What does he say to them in the next verse? What does he say to them? Yeah. Jesus said, You know what? I've got a better plan. I know that this is your plan, and this plan is rational, logical, easy, and wise. I know it makes sense to you, but Jesus said, I've got a better plan. Here's my better plan. My better plan is you give them some day. That's my plan. God's ways are different from our ways. God's plans are different from our plans it's illustrated in this, in this very passage of Scripture where the disciples said, we, we understand what needs to happen. Here's what needs to happen. And Jesus said, time out. You give them something to eat. All right? Now, I don't know this for sure. I personally believe, and it's kind of a conviction almost. I personally believe that when Jesus said, you give them something to eat, I kind of think he might have had a smile on his face. You know, just because they, they've already had their business meeting. They've already had this plan worked out and they came as a group. There's strength in numbers, right? It, it, didn't, it wasn't just one that came. It wasn't Matthew. It wasn't Mark. It wasn't Peter. It wasn't just one or two that came. I mean, this was the whole 12 of them came. And the whole 12 of them said, you know, if we all go together, we might be able to convince them. If we all go together, there's strength in numbers. I bet we can kind of twist his arm a little bit. If we all go together and we all stay in agreement and we all say this is what needs to be done, I think we can go home because it's getting late. And so they all come together as a group. And they said, send them away. Let them go get something. And then Jesus pauses. And I really believe there's kind of a grin on his face because he knew what's coming next. And he said, you give them some Wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. See, that wasn't on our agenda over here. That's not on the agenda. That That was not, that has not been approved. This is not on the agenda. No, that's not what we're talking about. All right, so let's keep reading. Now, how did they reply to this? We'll come back and dig into it, but let's just look at it on the surface level. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Pause, unless... Unless we go buy food for all this crowd. <clears throat> now, about 5,000 men were there, but, but he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each, and, and he fed them. And, and you understand that. You, you've seen that. Jesus performed a miracle, and he fed them. Now, if the disciples had had their way, what would have happened to the To the five thousand huh they would have dispersed they would have gone home empty and hungry now this is where we're going to start asking some questions I really want your participation and we're going to um, hopefully get a different perspective on all this my question for you is this who was the miracle for Why do you say it was for the 12? There's 5,000 who needed to eat. He was there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. All right. She said, would the 5,000 even have known that they started out with just a few loaves and fish? Would they have even known there was a miracle? All all they knew is that they they got fed. Yeah, they didn't know if they were going to be fed. There was nothing on the agenda that said, uh, at 6 to 7, we'll be feeding you tonight. All right, so so there was none of that. When I was reading this the other day, it grabbed my attention. I thought, who was this miracle really for? Was it really for the 5,000? I mean, did they walk away that night saying, I can't wait to get home and tell them what happened? And, and maybe they did. And, and maybe they did know it was a miracle. Maybe they did see that what was happening. And, and I'm sure some of them did. But I don't, think the, the, I don't really think the purpose of the miracle was to feed the people. I think the purpose of the miracle was to challenge the disciples. And the reason I say that is because Jesus... I think, with a grin on his face, said, you feed them. You feed them. I think there was a purpose behind that. Um, and it's interesting to look at this event from different perspectives. Um, trying to decide the best way to do this. Hmm. It's interesting to look at this event from, from different perspectives. All right, first of all, let's look at, look at it. let's look at it from the 5,000, from their perspective. Let's look at it from the disciples and their perspective, okay? Now, here's where I need you to dig in with me a little bit. So, we have the hungry crowd... And we have the powerless disciples. We're going to look at the same event from each of those different perspectives. Uh, what do you think the 5,000 learned from this miracle? What did, what did these, this group of people, what do you think they learned from this miracle? All right. Jesus can meet needs. Uh, yeah, G- Jesus can do miracles. Maybe we'll set that way. All right, so that's good. That's two good things. So, the, for the 5,000, when they looked at this whole miracle thing, they probably thought in these kind of terms that Jesus can meet my needs. He fed us. Jesus can do miracles. I, I, they learned that from this, no doubt about it, that, that Jesus can do miracles. Now, same event. Let's look at it from the perspective of the disciples. What do you think the disciples learned in this? All right, so the disciples learned Jesus can use what you have. He amplifies it. Anything else? Has a plan? He's sufficient. What was that in the back? All right. Learning. Yeah, it goes into trust. It doesn't always make sense. Uh, Those are good things. He can do far more. I've run out of room to write all that, but you're right. He can do far more than we ask or imagine. All of those are great responses. Let's look at this from one other angle. All of those are great responses. Let's look at this from one other angle. Let's look at this from the angle of Jesus. All right? Not what he learned necessarily, but what was he doing here? In this situation, all right, so he was glorifying God. That should be ing. All right, what else? Teaching disciples. Anything else? Always what? Always look up. Alright, again, very good answers. Now, I want you to go to John chapter 6. I want to show you something. John chapter 6. Uh, John 6 is, is John's account of this story. And in John chapter 6, verse 5, John six five. when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Somewhere in that whole process, you know, they were, as they were talking and everything, Jesus turns to Philip and says, where can we get bread to eat? Because remember in Matthew, he said, should we go buy enough food for them? How are we going to do it? Do you want us to send them home or do you want us to go buy food? And so, so. Jesus looks at Philip, he says, well, well, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Then I love verse 6. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Don't miss that. He had a plan, and part of the plan was to teach his disciples a lifetime lesson. He already had in mind what he was going to do was not by accident that he said to the disciples, you give them something to eat. It was not a spur of the moment kind of a thing. He had a plan of something he needed to teach them. And I believe there was a reason he needed to teach them this lesson. So, now we're going to go down or back to the passage, and this time we're going to dig down deeper. John 6 would seem to indicate there's a story behind the story. He already had in mind what he was going to do. There's a story behind the story. So let's look at the context now. Go back to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Let's try to understand the story behind the story. And first of all, we'll start with the context. In Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, what, what happens in that text? Luke chapter 9, 1 through 6, what, what happens there? He sends out how many, Donna? All right, what does he send them out to do, Donna? All right. Yeah. So, uh, there's something I want you to notice here as he sends them out. Chapter 9, verse 1. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority. Now, notice is He gave them power. Don't miss that. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. In other words, here's what he was doing. This was a new, face, new phase in their discipleship training. Jesus was sending them out to do the type of preaching and teaching and healing that they had seen him do. This is a first now. This is a new phase in their learning experience. Now he's sending them out to do what they've watched him do. And as he sends them out, he sends them out with power, he sends them out with authority, and they go out to do the kind of ministry they've watched him do. Now, what were they supposed to take with them according to verse 3? What were they going to take with them? That's strange. Look what he says, verse 3. Take nothing for the journey. Well, what do you mean by nothing? No staff, no bag. Well, what about food? No bread. What about money? No money. No extra tunic. Well, how are we going to live? Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. And if people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. And so Jesus said, okay, I'm giving you this authority, and I'm going to give you this brand new assignment. You're going to go out and start doing a little bit of what you've seen me do. Except there's something I want you to learn in the process. I want you to learn how to depend on God, and I want you to see what happens when God's people provide for your needs. And and so God will use the people you minister to to meet your needs. So when you go out there, don't take anything with you. Could we take? No. Well, what if we take? No. Don't take anything. Now, they go out on this, on this missionary journey. They go out and, and they do what they've seen Jesus do. They return to Jesus uh, to give a report. Verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him and withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. So they go out, they do this ministry, they, they come back sometime later. I'm not exactly sure how, how long they're gone, but they go out, they're gone for a little while, they come back, they give this report. Now, on the excitement meter, if Jesus has given them power that they've never had before, power to cast out demons, power to heal, power to preach... If Jesus has given them power, and they go out on this ministry tour, and they're doing that, and they're exercising that power, and they're seeing lives change and, and people cast uh, demons come out of people, and all that kind of thing, people healed, and all that kind of thing, when they come back to report, how excited do you think they're going to be? On a scale of one to ten, with ten being the, you know like we're out of our mind excited, where would you rank them? Eleven, right? <laughs> So, so they're coming back probably super excited. They're reporting to Jesus. Now, now there's 12 of them. Have you ever been in a room where 12 people are trying to talk all at the same time? It, it's probably that kind of an atmosphere where they're so excited and everybody's trying to tell Jesus, Oh, oh, let me tell you what happened to me. Well, let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you. And, and it's just all, it's just pandemonium. They're so excited. And so in the second part of verse 10, what does Jesus do? This is very important. In the second half of verse 10, what does Jesus do? Took them off by themselves for what? Huh? Yeah. Took them off by themselves probably to rest. That's what it says. Then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. What's the next word? but but ministry never ends when you're ministering you never really are off duty and they learned that lesson quickly but the crowds learned about it and followed him and he welcomed them he spoke to them about the kingdom of god and healed those who needed healing now it's in that context that the the feeding of the 5,000 comes about. So it says, they're supposed to be on this retreat, as I understand it. They're supposed to be away on this retreat. They're supposed to be relaxing a little bit. They've had a busy ministry schedule. They go away, and the crowds follow them, and Jesus is very gracious and very kind, and he teaches and he heals them. And then, verse 12, late in the afternoon, the 12 came. I'm going to sit down and try to talk you through this. And I might be wrong. Does it bother anybody that the twelve came to tell Jesus what to do? Uh, that's, that's a possibility, absolutely. Absolutely. But think about it in these terms. Again, it wasn't just Peter who came, it wasn't just Philip, it wasn't just one or two that said, hey, have you noticed there's a big crowd here and it's it's kind of getting late, what are we going to do about that? They didn't come with a question, in other words. They didn't come with a question like, what do you think we ought to do, or how are we going to handle this, or what's your plan for this big crowd? They didn't come to Jesus with the question. They came as a group, 12 of them. And they came, I hate to use the word with an order, but it was close to that, wasn't it? Look at it again. Late, huh, do what? <laughs> yeah, it really does. And I'm getting ready to make a real point here. <laughs> look, 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 verse 12. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, not asking, not suggesting, The twelve came to him, to Jesus, and said, Send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside, find food and lodging, because we're in a remote place here. Who put you in charge? Bingo. Is it possible that the power that they had in this mission trip and all that kind of thing, is it possible all that kind of went to their head? And the twelve as a group said, we can handle this. Let's just go tell him what we're going to do. I'll go if you'll go. Will you? Go? I'll go. You know, I've seen this, and I'm trying to say this kindly, but it's absolutely true. And and if you get mad, uh, send the email to somebody else. I have found in ministry over the years, and not just at Mount Airy, at Crestview, and just... just being in ministry for a long time now, I have found out that some people, when you give them a little bit of authority, they want to run the show. They've never had authority, and all of a sudden they have a little bit of authority, and now all of a sudden they think they are the authority. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, that's just just the way it is with human nature, I guess, and I think that's what's happening here. The disciples never had any authority, and then all of a sudden Jesus gave them authority, and all of a sudden... They were the authority. Send them away. Let them go get some food. All of a sudden now they think they're the authority. I don't recall any other place where the disciples were saying, here's what we're going to do. I hope you're with Jesus. Let me tell you what we need. Send them away. No other place in the scripture do I see this. But they didn't have authority. Then he gave them authority and all of a sudden they are the authority. Send them away. We figured out what needs to do. All twelve of us, we're in agreement. Send them away. Now, I might really be reading too much into it here. I acknowledge that ahead of time. It also may be a little bit of we're supposed to be on a retreat. These people are getting on our nerves. You know, I mean, I mean, we we just we've been on this long ministry trip. We've been we're worn out. You've been teaching them all day long. We we've been watching. Just send them away for goodness sake. Now. Jesus' response is interesting to me because of what he didn't say. He did not say in verse 13, don't worry about it, I got this. He did not say in verse 13, I'll feed him, you don't have to worry about sending them; I'm going to take care of this. He did not say... You're probably right. I'll send them away. He didn't say any of that. Jesus said, he looked at the 12 who were full of themselves and said, You feed them. I just love that. He looked at the 12 who were full of themselves and said, You feed them. So the disciples did what we would do. They looked at what they had. And suddenly they realized that they were coming up short. Look at the text. They answered, we, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all of this crowd. We don't have enough, Jesus. Now, this is where you need to follow closely. This this is perhaps the best part of the the whole lesson as far as practical application. He said to his disciples, middle part of verse 14. Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. Notice he didn't say, well, what are we going to do? He knew what he was going to do. Verse 15, the disciples did so. Everybody sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then, watch closely. Then he gave the food to the people. Uh -uh, Uh-uh, uh-uh. Then he gave them to who? Who? The disciples. Were the disciples hungry? Oh, that's not the, why did he give the food to the, to the disciples? We'll keep reading. He gave to them to the disciples to set before the people. It looks something like this. Ooh, I'm going to knock over a flower. It looks something like this. Jesus gave it to the disciples, and then they gave it to the people. And I don't think that's an accident, I don't think that was happenstance. Here's the question. Did the miracle come from the disciples? No. The miracle, watch this, the miracle came from Jesus through the disciples to the people. Now had he wanted to, he could have said, set them down in groups of 50. He could have taken the bread and broken it and prayed and said, Lord, we thank you for this. And then he could have said, okay, we're going to do this orderly manner. Groups of 50, first this group, y'all come on up here. Here you go, here you go, here you go. Next group, here you go, here you go. He didn't do that. Or he could have said, all right, y'all just stay there. I'm going to bring it to you. He didn't do that. Or I guess if he wanted to, he could have said, y'all stay there. Here you go. Just sit if you're awake. He could have tossed it out to the crowd if he wanted to. But here's what he did. He prayed, he broke it, and then he said, Hey disciples, where's my marker? Hey disciples, y'all come up here. I want to give you this bread. And then I want you to take it and give it to the people. As they saw this miracle unfold, they knew better than anybody this miracle is not coming from us. It's coming from Him. It's coming through them. Now, you see, they knew, watch this. If we take Jesus out of the equation, they knew they could never do this. They knew that was not possible. We only have five loaves and two fishes. There's no way we can do this. The miracle came from Jesus through the disciples, the power of God. Listen, 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 listen. We've got to learn the lesson that the power of God comes from God through us. And we can never bring about the miracles. So, let's read, going back to the text again, how much time, okay, I told you I had a lot. Now, let's, let's read, verse 16, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, broke them, then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied, something probably they had not experienced, many of them in a long time, because in that day, uh, as in many places in the world, uh, they, they barely make it. They barely have. The, it's, it's unusual to eat and be satisfied. It's unusual to have enough. These people all ate. All 5,000 or 10,000 or 15,000. They all ate and were satisfied. There was enough for everybody. And in fact, there was more than enough. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets, basketfuls of broken pieces that were, what's that next phrase? It was what? Leftover. Leftovers. There were not 11 baskets of leftovers. There were not 13 baskets of leftovers. There were 12 baskets of leftovers. Because there were 12 disciples who needed to learn a lifetime lesson. And as each disciple went around with his basket picking up the leftovers, I wonder if it rang in their mind, We don't have enough. There's only five loaves and two fish. We don't have enough. We can't do this. And for the rest of their life, I think they finally learned this lesson. That the miracles and the power comes from Jesus through them. To the people. When you see the New Testament church unfolding, that's exactly what you see it unfolding. In the New Testament church, they, they kept saying, uh, in fact, in, in one of those times where they were going, they healed somebody, everybody's gathered around. Peter said, Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before you say too much, it wasn't us. God did this through us. Now, Questions. I got some more to say, but questions or suggestions, ideas, things to share. Could be, could be. While, he, while they were out doing ministry, people took care of their needs. People fed them, took care of their needs. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it very well could be. I just love the idea of Jesus looking at him with a smile on his face saying, you feed him. Come on, big boy. You feed him. I'm going to close with this story, uh, if I can find it here in my notes. I'm going to skip some of my notes here. Um, one of the most amazing Christian warriors that you'll ever hear about um, was a guy named Brother Andrew. He was also called God's smuggler. He risked everything to get God's word into spiritually closed countries where, he was, where it was virtually impossible. In his biography... He tells about a, an incident in his early life as a follower of Christ that showed him the kind of God he was serving. Now listen to this: it showed him, watch this, the kind of God he was serving. You see, that was the lesson of the five thousand. It showed the disciples the kind of God they were serving—the God that could do more than they could do, the God that had power they didn't have, the God that could do the impossible. So, so brother Andrew learned early in life as a follower of Christ a lesson that showed him the kind of God. He was serving. After some pretty wild years without the Lord, he came to know Christ. Almost immediately felt the call to begin training for ministry. And when he went for training for ministry, he went to a small Bible school in Scotland. And before the students were allowed to graduate, they were given a very unusual assignment. Now listen to this. I've been to college. I've been to seminary. uh, I've got my doctorate, but I've never gotten an assignment like this one. And I'm kind of glad. But here was the assignment that they had to complete before they could graduate from this Bible college. They were asked to go out for a month and do evangelistic outreaches in Scottish villages, and they were given some money to live on. One British pound, to be exact. For us, it would be kind of like being given a dollar to live on for a month. So they said, okay, go out and do ministry. It's almost like the story of Jesus. Don't take anything with you except they were allowed to take one dollar with them, one British pound, uh, and go out for a month to go do ministry. The students were to go with, with that one bill and eat and sleep and rent halls and buy refreshments and hold outreaches and return that one bill at the end of the month. In other words, here's your dollar, you go out and do ministry, and when you come back, bring that dollar back with you. Brother Andrew's team went out, did ministry, Except he returned with enough money for the school to send out two missionaries. Maybe everybody needs an assignment like that. For all of us, the ultimate question is is God really enough? Figuratively speaking, can I make it when it's just one dollar in God? The disciples said, we don't have enough. And Jesus performed this miracle to say, I am enough. And you need to learn that. I am enough. So I'll close by asking you to look at the rest of the context because you see, we've only looked at the front half Of that story. What happens after this story? Chapter 9 of Luke. Verse 18. When Jesus was praying in private. And his disciples were with him. He asked them. Do the crowds say that I am? They replied. Some say John the Baptist. Others Elijah. Still others. that You're one of the prophets long ago. Has come back to life. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? And the you there is plural, meaning all 12. Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered for the group. He said, the Christ of God. I wonder, this is just my speculation, I wonder when Peter answered that, if his mind didn't flash back to this. Because in the sequence of events that had just done, been there, just done that. And Peter says, wait let me tell you something. I saw what you did back there. And I saw what we couldn't do. And if you can do this, you're the son of God. Now, now listen, 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 listen. This was not the first miracle they would seen. They had seen him do other miracles. But this miracle so impacted them. Don't miss this. This miracle so impacted them that it is the only miracle that that is in all four Gospels. I wonder why. Because it was a lifetime lesson that they never forgot that Jesus is always enough. No matter what you're facing, Jesus is always enough. But don't forget this. It's not about what you can do, ladies and gentlemen. It's not about what you have to offer. It's about what Jesus can do through you. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for this word that has challenged me and helped me and encouraged me. And I pray it has done so for others and... Remind us that you are indeed enough. And remind us also of our own inadequacies. Those times when we think we are somebody. Those times when we think we can do something. Remind us of this text. Remind us that it's, it comes through us. Not from us. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.